separated by Cosmic Cabinets, Brandon, Logan, and Paul are broadcasting the Breakdown Podcast live using their telepathic powers. My name is Brandon Miracle. If you look below me in the video version of the podcast, you'll see the beautiful face of Paul Anderson. And if you Howdy. look to the right of me in the video version of the podcast, you'll see the wonderful and lively Logan Welliver. Today is a special episode. We are joined by a very special guest, um, one of the developers at Clockwork Giant Games, working on the video game Vulpine, Josiah Gooden. Hi. Um, we're going to be talking with Josiah about development on Vulpine um, and what it's like to work in the indie game scene. So those are the topics for today's episode. Later on, we'll be talking about all the games, anime, movies, all that kind of stuff we've been doing over the week. So definitely look forward to that. Um so, guys, how have you been doing over the week? Just lay it on me. I've been doing pretty well. This has been an exciting... Actually, it's been a pretty tame week, which I think I needed after the last week when I was working pretty hard. It's so. been a good week. I mean, I didn't do much, but it's okay because Smash Brothers was announced, and what else do I need in my life? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, my week has been pretty relaxing, to be honest. Well, Josiah, let's kind of, like, jump off of that. Um, you recently had your Kickstarter for Vulpine, um, and that was successful, so congratulations to you for that. Um, hey, thanks. Yeah, no problem. Um, since then, uh, things I imagine have quieted down a little bit. You can you can relax a little bit. Tell us how you feel. <laughs> I feel a little bit relieved, but also it's like, all right, we could just keep working now. We can just keep working. It's so good to just keep working. <laughs> um, keep swimming. So I guess um, before we kind of get into talking about Volpine, can you go, go ahead and give us an introduction of yourself, um, what you do, and uh, all that jazz. So hi, I'm uh, Josiah Gooden. Uh, I am the artist for Clockwork Giant Games. I do every single thing that you see in the game other than ui and the world and i animate everything and model everything by hand um where did you where did you learn those skills how how did that kind of start uh so i mean well i was an art major i did graduate with a uh, art degree um however my modeling and animation skills were all self-taught over time i just started and went from there and just never stopped at what point in uh your career did that kind of begin and how long did it take you to kind of get where you're at uh that probably started in 2012 uh where my brother and i who is the other half of clockwork giant uh we started doing game jams so I learned how to 3D model over the course of 30 days. And then during our first game jam, I actively learned how to animate while we were making it. Oh, that's awesome. And I've just kept going from there. That's definitely like <laughs> learning under the gun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like, you know, really quick to interject, I feel like that's common with a lot of things like when you're learning something new you learn the basics and it seems like a lot but it's really not you learn the basics and then you can already do like a ton uh and then the rest of it's just figuring out like little things and how to improve upon that i mean that's certainly true like i learned photoshop uh at one point and in a very short period of time i became relatively competent with it um and now it's like i'm still working at it and still getting better but 
Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. The hardest, the hardest part is starting. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's kind of how the stream was kind of thrown together too. In the last two years, <laughs> I've kind of learned how to uh, live stream and learn how OBS works, and I actually ended up uh, helping the people at my place of work kind of work their way through OBS, and now we use that um, uh, there as well. Um, that's wonderful. I know. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's so good. Yeah, it kind of. It, well, you know, the the place I work also kind of taught me a little thing about you know streaming and you know live presentations in the first place. So it's kind of a mutual experience in that way. Um, so that's been a very fruitful experience for me. Um, so, what is Volpine? So for those who don't know at home, give us the the lowdown on the game. So Volpine is an open world action exploration game where you play as animals armed with weapons and you go around exploring a world and fighting monsters. So where did this idea kind of come from? It's funny because at this point, we don't even really remember where this idea came (laughs) from. (laughs) So our first game we made for seven day FPS, it was called, where you make an FPS game in seven days. We made a game called Volpine where we were just like, I like Tokyo Jungle a lot. Let's just make Tokyo Jungle, but it's a first person game. <laughs> and then we just went, why can't we just make a good, like a good, like exploration game with this idea, but not. And that's kind of how it went. If you ask me when we decided that the animals should have weapons, the answer is we have no idea when we actually decided that. Maybe it was always just that way. Um, so why is now the right time to make Volpine? Uh, it just seemed like the best time. Like Unity is at a place where it is so much easier to develop games. I'm at a place where it's a it's a perfect time to do this. Like if I'm going to do this now is the time for me. And, uh, so this, this was a combined effort between you and Isaac from, from the get go. Okay. Um, when did the two of you realize that you wanted to get into full-time game development? Man, I, I don't know. Like we, we did probably five or six game jams and like, the process of starting something from nothing and building it up and developing it was just so much fun and so much frustration as well. Um, and we were like, you know, let's just do it. So that's that's when it happened. That's a that's a very important step, I think, for a lot of people. Something I know that's held me back in my life. Um, when it comes to doing creative things was just being brave enough to take that initial step. Um, so I have to commend you and Isaac for, um, you know, going out of your way to, to make this happen because uh, it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. Actually, um, I, I would like to say I think anything that's worth doing is is difficult. You know, anything worth your time, it's not always going to be fun. Sometimes you have to get down to the nitty gritty. I know that's true with my music. But just just the feeling of of doing something difficult and then finishing it, you know, having a completed project, whether it be something small or large, it's a really gratifying experience. And, you know, I do that for my music. And I know that's also true for even something 
as seemingly simple as this podcast and you know getting these thumbnails up it's just it feels good to create so logan i think you had a a question for joe as well yeah okay so uh for those of you who don't know most probably most people they Clockwork Giant Games, Josiah, they had a previous Kickstarter that was not successful. You can say the word failed. You can say the word failed. It's fine. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's all the same. Uh, That being said, what changed in between that failed Kickstarter and now your now successful Kickstarter? What did you learn in between? How did you build an audience uh how did you make sure that this is something that was feasible this new campaign is something that we can with maybe not with complete certainty but we can give it every chance to succeed and obviously it did succeed so what did you learn in between and what did you learn during each of those campaigns that you know allowed you to raise the money that you did so we learned a lot about timing from a very very nice person his name's ian shout outs to ian who let us know everything about how to time everything correctly on your kickstarter so we launched in august for our original kickstarter and August, if you don't know, is one of the worst months for any crowdfunding platform. Uh, anytime getting kind of near end of the year is a bad time. Uh, but August is a dip. And that didn't help us at all. Um, so this this time we started in January, is, and that's when the holidays are over. So the slump on Kickstarter's gone. And then people start backing again. So just having it timed better is a huge deal. Uh, Also, we amassed a pretty large subscriber base to our emails. We have a newsletter that we send out occasionally, and that was a huge boost. Uh, We're always working on our Twitter. So our Twitter is just constantly growing and growing. Um. And one of the things I learned to keep myself sane during a Kickstarter is I don't look at the number. I look at the number three times a day when I wake up, one time in the middle of the day, and before I go to bed. And if you keep looking at that number, it'll just be there, and it is a constant drain on your mind. So I just limited myself, and we just kept going. Uh, we responded to as many messages as we could possibly respond to. Every single person has been messaged on our Kickstarter. Like We're very good about getting out there and talking to the community. I want to give a quick shout-out. Um, a couple of your fans I've been seeing talk in the chat uh, saying they're very hyped for the game. Just wanted to shout that out. Um, hey, thanks, guys. Yeah, The community has been great. It's it's really weird to just have so much support out of nowhere. And, you know, a lot of the people who backed the original Kickstarter, they came back for the next one, right? 
so many came back uh, like it's insane the first day seeing how many people were returning backers it's it's crazy so kind of bouncing off of um logan's question um you know you guys are a team of two mm-hmm. how does that how's that different from other indie developers how does that kind of change the landscape of your approach well, we're still pretty similar to all indie developers. Like, it, it's more like how are we different from traditional game development? Yeah, because um, we're able to just throw an idea out, and we can prototype that idea as quickly as we want, and just test it. And hey, if if that works out, that works out. If it doesn't, that's not that much time wasted. There's no red tape here. Uh, it's an open floor for discussion. Uh, it's there's no boundary, or there's no like barrier to development. Like it's just two people. So when we go, hey, should we do this for this? Let's try it, and then it's in the game. That's a lot better than all this red tape that you get with any other form of development. I can even kind of relate that to the way. Um we operate here at the channel um for a long time um you know i've been making videos and you know for a long time it was just kind of in my bedroom uh for those of you who don't know in the in the way back days of the break room arcade we made um questionable quality machinima um and the way that kind of worked out is you know i would uh kind of workshop the things that i that I edited into the videos, you know, if I see something that I put into the video that I didn't think worked or I don't quite like, I'm right next to my workstation, can workshop a new idea and immediately insert that um, into the video. And that's definitely like increased my work speed um, and the kind of the flow of ideas. So I can definitely relate uh, to that for, for you and Isaac in terms of game development. Um, and I'm and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure that's probably like evolved the ideas behind the game as development has has gone on as well. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I it, we we have solid set in stone plans, but the things around it we might change a little bit every now and then because we're allowed to, and sometimes it works out for the better. Um, before we kind of dig a little bit deeper. Uh, I kind of wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, both Aviators and uh, Bard Studios who are working with you. Can you talk a little bit about Fat that? Fat Bard Studios. Oh, yes, thank you. <clears throat> uh, f- man, they're so good to work with. Both Fat Bard and Aviators, they're both so good. Um, avi- <laughs> Aviators were able to just say, hey, here's what this looks like. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got a song for you. And it's just there. It appears That's in the amazing. Dropbox, and we're like, "What? Excuse me." The uh, the songs that are just like on the uh, Kickstarter page are I listened to them at work several times because they're they're really good. Um, I, he he's amazing. Yeah, at what he does. I uh, definitely uh, look forward to hearing more from him. It's it's insane the pace at which he works, uh, and like we try our best not to use any like temp music or any of that just to let him do his own thing uh, that's super important to us so we just describe like 
the certain feeling we kind of want. And then he goes and he, he does it. He knocks it out of the park every time. That's uh, amazing. Which is insane. Uh, Fat Bard. Fat Bard contacted us like as we were editing the trailer. And their sound effects are so good. So we, we, we got in discussion with them and they were like, hey, you want to have the best sound, sound effects for this trailer you can have. We'll score your trailer and work it with you. So we made it a stretch goal, which we hit. Thank you to the community. Uh, we hit that first stretch goal for Fat Bard. Um, uh, they're great. We just we send them footage and they just come back with really good sounding sound effects. Uh, it's uh, two people, by the way, uh, if I didn't mention. I forget their names. I'm sorry. I should have had it up, but I don't. And uh, for those of you who are listening, you can uh, follow them on Twitter. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's at the at Aviators eighty four for Aviators and at Fat Bard for Fat Bard. So shout out to them for uh, helping with uh, Full Pine to to make it the best that it can be. Um, yeah, because we are we are not the best at audio. We tried to stick to what we're strong at, and audio is not one of them. I know all about that. <laughs> so, Paul, I think you had a couple questions that you would like to ask as well. Yeah. Um, so, from the first time I saw the Kickstarter trailer, you know, this game is really eye-catching. It's really beautiful. And I've seen, you know, plenty of low-poly games before, but, like, it really it manages to stand out still. And so I was just kind of wondering what uh, what led you to that art direction, that art style for Volpine? Uh, it, it, the... The amount of art necessary to make a game like Volpine, it mm-hmm. as one artist, I would I would literally not be able to make this game if it were any other style than this, mm-hmm. because I'm allowed to pump out the art as fast as I can. Where if we went with a detailed style, I there's absolutely no way this game could have been made by one artist. So that that was one of the bigger decisions to go for this low poly flat shaded look. Well, it looks fantastic. Thank you. You did a really great job, man. Um with that, like you design all of these animals, right? Yeah. Which one do you think is the coolest? So Which like your favorite. So so what's weird to me is I had the opportunity to put my favorite animal in the game, and I have not put my favorite animal in the game. <laughs> and it didn't occur to me until you asked this question just now <laughs> that I haven't added that in. Well, what I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, it's a deer. I like deer a whole lot. Oh. Um, so far, I... They're all so good, but... Mm. The fennec is pretty great. The the ears are pretty fun to mess around with, uh, <laughs> animation wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I I'm gonna go ahead and save the fennec. Oh yeah, the uh, there's the one shot in the Kickstarter trailer where you can see its ears kind of bobbing. Um, oh yeah, I, I absolutely love that. I I get tinglys every time I see it for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> it really brings the, the the creatures to life, and uh, I think it plays really well with the low poly style too. Yeah, that might be where yeah. the tinglys come from. 
Well, I got a, another question for you. Um, you know, being a developer, you're going to spend a crazy amount of time with this game, right? Um, do you still look forward to playing Vulpine way in the future when it's all said and done for you? Like, I think the the big incentive for me to play it, like looking forward to it, would be finally getting in a server with a bunch of people who I don't know playing the game and just seeing how they play it. That That's like one of the things I'm looking forward to is not necessarily me playing the game, but me playing the game with people who might not even know that I'm a dev in there. That's awesome. Do you have like a yeah. like an expectation for how people are going to play? No. That's awesome. It's <laughs> <laughs> so like a blank slate. Like, we we've we've got like overall objectives, but like we we kind of let people go and do their own thing if they want to. So I I just want to see how people play this. That kind of echoes some of the musings of the Breath of the Wild developers. They just kind of decided, we're going to make the sandbox, we're going to give people all these tools, and we don't really know what to expect. And then, you obviously, the game comes out, and there's all these different shrine skips, and the developers never anticipated that this game would be played in this way, and they love seeing that. So oh, yeah, absolutely. I can imagine like the hype behind having a, a creation, uh, especially something that's so interactive, and just seeing how people work with it. Yeah, like we, we had a design doc, very, a very early design doc for Volpine, uh, where we had some of the things that were like one for one in Breath of the Wild before Breath of the Wild came out. So as Isaac <laughs> and I were playing Breath of the Wild, we're like, oh, no, oh, no, Nintendo did it. Oh, oh how does that feel, though? <laughs> Uh, one, uh, validation, uh, cause Hey, as it turns out, our, our idea was pretty good. I should also, hope Nintendo so, yes. was able to do it before us. That's not something that I think you should feel bad about at all. No, that, uh, no. that's gonna, that's gotta be one of the most validating things that could possibly happen. It's like, Oh, well we kind of wrote that this would, well, that's cool. Okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> So over the course of your development, I'm stealing your question, Paul. I'm sorry. Um, oh, wow. What, what advice do you have for young people who want to get into game development? Go to Unity3D.com. Download Unity 3D. Not one of the beta versions. Just download 2017. It's there. It's right there. Go to a tutorial. There's so many tutorials on their forum. They're all so inviting. Go to a tutorial and just start. That's that's it. Just start. That's that's the long and short of it. Just starting is the hardest part here. That's like that's like true to anything in life. If you're doing your taxes, if you're making a movie, you have to start somewhere and if you don't start, you're never going to get anywhere. So just getting through the door is easily the most important step you can take. Melody Warp in the chat said that uh, they were going to ask that question. Uh, they already have oh, Unity. Nice. Um, they just haven't watched any tutorials yet. 
yeah, I definitely just go find a basic tutorial for like a platformer or anything. Just find out how to put a character controller in the game and move a capsule collider around. Like it's just get in there and do it. There's a lot of really great tutorials out there. Um, I've actually, I've done a, those two things that you said. That's about as far as I made it through Unity. But there's a lot of really wonderful resources for Unity and then also just 3D modeling in general. Um, if I was able to learn just a little bit that I do know, anyone can. <laughs> yeah, Paul, you know, I remember when you were kind of going through that stuff and I was impressed at just how far you made it. Um just with the you know the little bit of research you did, uh, so the tools are out there, and you just have yeah. to you have to search them out, and um, like that's how this podcast happened. Like I, I mean, I didn't really know anything about this. I just kind of kind of had to consult the internet. But that's the the great thing about the internet is uh, there's plenty of great resources on it, and Definitely. people to learn from as well. Surround yourself with people um, who might have some experience even if it's just limited experience because that can get you just a really really long way like josiah you were talking earlier about um i forget his name but the person who helped you with the kickstarter oh ian sorry <laughs> you were throwing it to me and i completely dropped the ball there no, you're good <laughs> you, you passed it to me and i was like what that was oh. like a that was like a chess pass <laughs> <laughs> So definitely seek out um, those tools because it, uh, it'll help you out. Um, Paul, I think there's one more question there in the list. Was there? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> How has your journey into game development changed the way you perceive the video game industry as a whole? You can never look at a game the same. Just never. Not a <laughs> single. Like, every time I'm playing a game, I'm like, oh, man, look at that effect. How did they do that? You'll even say that kind of kind of stuff like um, in the past when we've played games together. Oh yeah, like <laughs> there's like sometimes I'll capture footage of me like repeatedly doing a thing in a game just to like do a breakdown visually of what they're doing. Breakdown. Like, <laughs> then, like just playing Dragon's Dogma and like repeatedly climbing on things and just slowing that down and going how do they do it oh, oh, oh okay that reminds me of that story of uh miyamoto when they gave him like uh an early build of breath of the wild and the only thing he would do was run around and climb trees for like an hour <laughs> it's exactly like that i think all of us can actually kind of relate to that in our own uh fields like i know learning more about film now i have to oh, sit yeah. down and like it really changes that whole field for me just like watching a movie it's a different experience than it was before joe i actually you know you kind of brought up a memory of mine um when i first got the uh the htc vive and uh, i was letting you uh play it i don't remember exactly <laughs> what game we were, we were playing but uh you were just taking the, the the vive controllers and picking stuff up and just throwing it and kind of flailing your arms oh yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> and, a, and a little bit of that was just you kind of you know seeing how things work i'm like oh, oh this is this is how this person chose to do ui all right okay <laughs> yeah all right so um before we move on to the next segment of the show joe where can people find more information about volpine you can find more information about volpine on volpinegame.com wow 
Wow. Definitely also follow um, Josiah and Clockwork Giant uh, at Josiah Gooden at Clockwork Giant, and uh, you'll get. Uh, you guys do a like a weekly screenshot. Is that right? Uh, most of the time, uh, uh, sometimes we skip a week if like there's too much going on or we don't have anything visually to show. Because mm-hmm. n- not everything here is like something we can show. Right, like we can't show optimization in a screenshot Saturday, so sometimes we just skip <laughs> a week. You actually uh, but posted most of the time today, we have right? a, uh, Yeah, we posted our um, our uh, wolf. That's it. That's the word. That's I was looking one. for the animal. I I looked at this for hours, and now it's out. Uh, yeah, our <laughs> new wolf. We're updating all the animals to be in line with our new style which i like a whole lot you got rid of the feet that's it just get rid of the feet and they're gone it's a fire emblem <laughs> awakening all over again <laughs> who needs feet anyway like what do they what do feet even do they're just a waste of time honestly exactly yeah yeah um and so the kickstarter is over are there ways that people can still help support the game uh, yeah, uh, you can late back on our website. If you go to vulpinegame.com, there's a banner at the top. It says uh, uh, late support here, I think. Let me check. I, I made the website. Let's <laughs> <laughs> Got a fact check. Detail. Support development now. now at the top of the page. If you click that, it'll bring you to a place where you can late back. So if you missed the original Full Pine Kickstarter and you still want to help them out, go ahead and uh, do it there because I'm I'm sure you guys appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joe, before we move on, what would you like to say to your current backers? Oh my God! Thank <laughs> you so much. It's been a hell of a ride, and I'm looking forward to bringing Full Pine to everyone. And uh, we, as fans of your work, are looking forward to seeing um, where that goes going forward. Thanks. So, that is Volpine. Definitely check all the links and places we talked about. Um, I'll put some links in the description of the YouTube video as well for you to follow that stuff out. Now, it's time for The Breakdown. This is the part of the show where we talk about the stuff that we've done over the week, the games we've played, the movies and TV shows we've watched, um, projects we've been working on, just any of that kind of thing. Um, So I guess quickly I'll mention a show that I binged on Netflix in one day accidentally, I guess. And accidentally <laughs> it was only it's 10 episodes long and they're like 22 minute episodes each. And uh, the show oh, is called everything sucks. Everything sucks is a kind of like sitcom drama that takes place in 1996. Um, a lot of like the initial hype and buzz I saw on the internet was like, Oh, look at all these nineties references. That's not what the show is about. You get this show is very accurate in its setting and you know it, it uses that to drive the story forward so um don't go in there looking for 90s references go in there to to go back to the 90s and see see maybe how things were different back then if you know you weren't part of the 90s um so so basically it, it's just about these kids who i can't remember if they yeah i think they just started high school and it's kind of a coming-of-age story, but they're part of this AV club. 
So I kind of uh, initially grabbed onto that because of my own interest in video. And uh, mm-hmm. over the course of the, the show, they, they, they end up wanting to make this movie. Um, so that, that was kind of neat, kind of a callback to, to my initial interest, which, which was right around then, like right at the end of middle school going into high school. Um, I was surprised just like how heartwarming this show was and, you know, how dark or more adult some of the themes can be. Um, it, it definitely approaches some, some themes that I think are becoming, um, more easy to talk about for people. So, uh, definitely, you know, look to it uh, for that. But, uh, there's two, two leads. One of them is a female lead. The other one is, um, a male lead. And basically the, the, the kid has a, you know, a crush on the girl. They're in the AV club together. Um, but the girl Aww. is trying to conceal the fact that uh, she's homosexual and that she actually has a crush on another girl. Um, that leads some, to some very interesting storytelling. Um, I was very, very kind of in uh, engrossed in the way that they approached that. Uh, everything is, is very tasteful. Everything's very appropriate. Um, so good on the show for that. Also, it's really, really funny. <laughs> There, there are some. There's one character in the show in particular who's just got like this crazy hair, and he's wearing these like bright, almost like Hawaiian-looking shirts. He reminded me of uh, one of the characters from Saved by the Bell. I can't remember his name. Um, nope, it's not going to come to me. But nope, no, it's not happening. Oh. But it, it, the show is very charming. Um, it's not a big commitment. It's only ten episodes long. Uh, there's a blockbuster in it. That's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was got blockbuster in it, you know. It's, it's cool. There's That's a Walkman, the biggest '90s reference. Whoa. Blockbuster, R- renting videos, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, so basically, the main male lead lives alone with his mother. His father is still alive, but he left the family. And then the male or the female lead, she just has uh, a father, and. Her mother has passed away. Um, so there's actually some interactions between the parents. The the, the, the woman's or the, the, the girl's father is actually the principal of the high school that they all go to. Um, so that leads to some more interesting developments between between the characters. I don't want to, like, talk and give too much away. But I think, you know, I think I'd give that a high recommendation. It's, uh, it sets itself up for another season. So the show's not over yet. So I think it's something that... Uh, might go for like three or four seasons so there's a little bit of a commitment there but only 10 episodes right now i knocked it out in like three and a half hours so oh, what's the name of the show yeah the show is everything sucks all you had to tell me was it was a netflix original <laughs> and I'm, i'll watch so, it oh i have netflix it yeah, kind of netflix i know what that is it took me back to a simpler time too and i think i also enjoyed it for that kind of seeing things through the lens that i had when i was a kid um hmm. You know, I was born in 94, so I would have only been two years old at the, at the time that this show would have taken place. Um, but there's still just a lot of stuff, you know, that I was raised with, and and uh, I connected to it uh, on that level. We're, we're, get, we're at this point where we're not talking about the 80s, we're not talking about the 70s. The 90s are a thing of the past, and now we're looking at it that way. That's <laughs> now weird we're to the me. old men. Yeah, we're old people now, so that's that's a strange feeling to have. That's fun. This is that what? 70s show with 90s kids. We we have become the old ones. We're the we're the older ones now. 
when I'm in my 40s, I'm going to have my children watch this show. This is what it was like when your dad was a young lad. (laughs) (laughs) And and, uh, let's see. I think I watched that, and I think that was it as far as things I watched last week. I I watched a few things this past week of of notable consequence. (laughs) What do you got? Um, Well... Actually, there's something I do want to get out of the way, and it's something that... So, this isn't something that's new. This is something that you probably have heard me rant about again and again. And I just want to put it out there so whoever's watching this, they can appreciate it with me. That's Futurama. I have Uh, a deep, deep, deep love for Futurama. It has become a show that I just... When I don't want to really think about things, I put it on. But then I can sit there and I can watch an episode and really, really pay attention to it. And there's so much depth and there's jokes that I didn't catch before. And I was just falling asleep to it the other night. And I thought to myself, man, I love this show. Like, it's just so fantastic. I don't really want to talk too much about it. Maybe another time. But... If anybody likes Futurama and they want to talk to me about it, go on our Discord. Join our Discord. Have a discussion. If you love Futurama, let me know because I always need somebody to talk about how great Futurama is with me. Uh, You can find our Discord through our website, breakroomarcade.com. So please join that. At the bottom Uh, of the page. At the bottom of the page. Good times. Outside of that, I got the opportunity to see Shape of Water. The Shape of Water this week. Oh, man, no spoils. I, I won't. I'll try to keep it spoiler-free. Uh, it involves people, and it involves uh, <laughs> water. That is the wow. best synopsis I've ever heard. <laughs> so, but it was, I, I can just say that it was such a fantastic film. I, I'm not sure what I expected going into it, but I definitely realize why it won all the awards at the oscars obviously it's guillermo guillermo del toro so that was the first thing it was like well i love this director he does some really fantastic stuff so i should watch this film and then it got nominated for all these oscars and i'm like well maybe i should speed this process up and go see it so i went ahead and i watched it and i can't i can't recommend it enough Please, if you have two hours free on the weekend and you're looking for something to do with your time, I cannot recommend it enough. But that being said, if you haven't seen Call Me By Your Name, watch that first. <laughs> do Priorities. Yeah, I'm going to go see Shape of Water next weekend. I'm very excited. Oh, you should let me know about that. Okay. All right. I'll hit you up. Cool. Um, <laughs> Paul, did you watch anything this week? Oh, did I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, we I'm not going to get too deep into it because we talked about both of these movies last week. So, if you want to hear more about them in depth, go back to episode three. Um, but I sat down and I watched Paddington. And, oh, oh boy. Thank is you. Is it a space heater for the heart? Thank you so it much. It brought me so thank much enjoyment. So, if you're looking for something to just bring... Fill your life with joy. Sit down and watch Paddington. I have not seen Paddington yet, but every time someone talks about it, they just gush about it. It 
It sounds lovely. It it's you a treat. You are in for a treat. Joe, are you familiar with uh, Paddington Bear? No, not uh, not in the least. I'm from America. Yeah, I mean that's to be expected. But, <laughs> I'm on Netflix. But he but he is like a, a UK kind of like a storybook character icon. Um, yeah, and it doesn't disappoint. He, yeah, he's he's worth. It's worth it. Definitely sit down and watch that. Um, the other movie was Game Night. I sat down at the theater yesterday, and it's a good movie. Go watch it. <laughs> if you like tabletop gaming and you just like funny movies, um, it's got both. Yeah, it, it's a very, very funny movie. I was in I was in the theater with just another person, one other person, an old man, and uh, he was grumpy, but I enjoyed it. So <laughs> I filled the theater with I filled it with laughter for the both of us. I'm glad you did. Uh, that movie needs yeah. just a little bit more attention. Um, so many comedies are just kind of like drops in the bucket or, you know, they, they, they pride themselves like on inappropriate humor and, you know, the same kind of jokes that you'd expect from movies like that. That's not what you get out of game night. Game night has a lot more like slapstick comedy. And, uh, that's kind of where my heart lies personally. And, uh, one, uh, one thing I kind of want to bring up, um, before we get to Josiah's, um, the trailer for Christopher Robin uh, came out over the last week. Oh boy, did it! Oh boy, um, I'm a big, big fan of Winnie the Pooh. The The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh is one of my favorite Disney movies, um, and I, I, you know, I was pretty confident in this movie before the teaser trailer. I've been waiting for them to kind of, you know, show us anything about it for months. And uh, I was not at all disappointed. That tugged me in the in every single heartstring that I have in my body. <laughs> I don't even really remember Pooh that well from my childhood, but even it, it got me sitting at my desk, you know, kind of welling up a bit. Yeah, I'm actually with Brandon on on this one, at least in terms of where Winnie the Pooh kind of sets in my past. I remember watching the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh countless times as a kid, just having that like classic, like VHS with that like plastic VHS case that Mm -hmm. Disney had for all their films and just open that up, pop it in and just watch the Winnie the Pooh. And I have so many fond memories of Winnie the Pooh. So I am unexplicably excited I got I got chills when I heard uh, Jim Cummings uh, Pooh Bear in that trailer, as I imagine. I can't believe it. I can't believe he's doing it. I know. Um, and mm. correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the rest of the Hundred Acre Wood cast are recasts. Is that is that right? Okay. I don't know. Recasts are like recent castings that have maybe done like one or two Winnie the Pooh things in you know the past few years, but. It's they're mostly new people. I mean, even even Tigger is recast. Yeah. And Jim Cummings had been doing Tigger for the longest time. Right. So maybe they just wanted to differentiate. But the fact that they have Jim Cummings, that's probably easily the most important thing by far uh, about the casting. So I don't mind that everybody's recast, but I I loved hearing Winnie the Pooh on in that context. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter um, talking about Pooh Bear looking kind of creepy. Um, 
I don't know. I think his visuals are, are there to kind of serve the story. You know, Christopher Robin has obviously kind of abandoned his imagination for a long time. So I, I, that should reflect in the way that Pooh appears for the first time that they meet after all this time has passed. And, you know, it, it uses a very, like, unsaturated look. I imagine as Christopher Robin's um, love for his childhood and his imagination kind of returns to him, we're going to see more color introduced into the film um, over the course of the movie. That is yeah. absolutely what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. It's it, it's pretty dry in terms of its color, you know, with the teaser trailer. It's just very adult-looking. It's very mature. There's not... It's not a lot of contrast between things, and then Pooh Bear comes along, and it's like, oh no, we know where this movie is going, at least to a degree. From a visual pan, uh, stand, uh, were you going to say something, Joe? I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I have a feeling they're going to handle this very, very well. Oh yeah, um, you know, this is from the, the the same studio who who did the Jungle Book and you know Beauty and the Beast, and you know Beauty and the Beast had a bit more of a rich a mixed reaction, but I absolutely adored the live-action version of uh, The Jungle Book. Um, so they, I know they know what they're doing. The fact that they went as far to bring Jim Cummings into the film in the first place is very telling of that. Um, one thing I wanted to mention is that uh, Pooh Bear's design, I think, was a very good, like, happy medium between his original doll appearance in The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh Um and kind of mixing that with the way he appears animated in the way his face is structured. Um, looks very real, very well done. I just wanted to give them some, some design props for that. So, Joe, is there any movies Actually, or anything you watched this year? Or not this year, this week? <laughs> this year. There's a lot of those. I hope. I got a lot of those. Uh, but this week... Um, I've been watching a show with my friends. It's called Gravity Falls. It oh. is a American cartoon series that aired on Disney. Uh, can't say much about it, but it is beautifully written. Uh, and it, there's a little bit more than just a children's show there. It's it's very good. I've heard a lot about this title, and it's been on my list for a long time. The biggest issue with Gravity Falls is finding where to watch Gravity Falls because Disney does not seem to want to release any real way to watch this series. It's very upsetting. That's really unfortunate. Um, yeah, uh, not even a Blu-ray release. Nothing. Why would they do that? I don't understand. People, Gravity Falls fans would have bought a lot of copies of that. I've kind of been noticing, like, a renaissance in terms of uh, American cartoons. Um, a lot of the offerings, like, on Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon are very strong right now. Um, yeah. Nickelodeon has a show called The Loud House, which I just happened to catch on TV one day, and I watched a couple episodes of it, and I was I was really impressed. The writing's really strong. Animation was strong. Um, and the same thing with, like... Uh, I know, Logan, you're a big fan of this show on Cartoon Network, The Amazing World of Gumball, which has been on for a while now, but that show's incredible. I love Gumball. I love Gumball. I love Gumball. It's such a good show. It's next on my list. Good. I uh, I would also advise to watch that, which means I should probably watch Gravity Falls. Yeah, you should definitely watch Gravity Oh, man, watch Gravity Falls. It's really good. <laughs> um. 
anything else that you've been up to as far as uh, otherwise i've been watching just a whole lot of um giant bomb tv which is their new 24 hour stream where they just stream out old videos from giant bomb and every oh that's a great every time every time it gets to the end of a video a poll pops up with 10 randomly selected ones and everyone votes on what they want to watch that's a fantastic (laughs) idea it's so good um the revisiting old videos revisiting old friends old people that used to be at the site it's just been wonderful to have on in the background constantly forever I've kind of been slowly becoming a Giant Bomb fan, thanks to your recommendation of All Systems Goku. You knew exactly Mm -hmm. how to get me in. You played with my heart. That's the end. (laughs) That's the end. Yep, it happened. So I'll probably check that out. Those those guys know how to carry a conversation to the end of the earth. It's like it's been Jeff Gerstmann's job for 40 years now. It's almost like he's a professional at this. Oh boy, he's he's got a cadence when he talks, and you listen. Ooh, I wish I had that. I Maybe don't have someday. that. I hope Maybe someday. You just gotta work at it, boy. So, any other movies or TV before we move on to anime? I had two more. Go for it. <laughs> I um I had some family visiting me, and so I watched a lot of things that I wouldn't normally watch. One of those being Geostorm. It's the action movie in kind of the same vein as like 2012 and um, The Day After Tomorrow, which my family enjoyed The Day After Tomorrow a whole lot growing up. And so um, it wasn't a groundbreaking film, but it had Gerard Butler, so it was a it was a decent time. I'm not a very critical person, so I enjoyed myself through it. Is this kind of like a face value movie? I think so. Um, basically, they United States builds the system with every other country, but the United States is still in charge of it. And what the system does is, whenever there's a natural disaster happening, it dispatches the from these networks of satellites um, a, something to counteract the natural disaster and kind of shut it down immediately. And so the system starts glitching and actually causing natural disasters. And so it's kind of uh, figuring out how to stop this, stop it before it becomes um, too much. It takes off and creates a geostorm, which would just be unstoppable somehow. (laughs) Okay, so it's kind of playing with that theme of uh, taking technology too far. Yeah, Um, turning something that could be used for good into a weapon. Okay. If you're looking, if you, I wouldn't necessarily pay to see it but if you have access to it you're looking for something to kill two hours watch it there Um, were definitely conversations at my workplace about this movie that (laughs) that left a very negative impression of it on me (laughs) see i i remember seeing this trailer a few times for this film and every time when i see a film like this i was I, i always think to myself it's probably not going to be a very good film, but I'd probably enjoy myself if I watched it. That's the exact thing for me. Like it, it looks underwhelming, and so when you go in with low expectations, it's decent. 
You gotta just yeah. It's it, like wow, just take it for what it is, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, you yeah. Every it. now and then, you need something that's average, yeah. and you, like you can't like have things that knock it out of the park every single time. Sometimes yeah. you just gotta watch something that's like you know. I'll just watch this, I guess. Oh, okay. I kind of had that experience um, uh, uh, on uh, the Super Super Bowl Sunday when Cloverfield Paradox came out, because um, that is just like a nutty movie, and you know plenty of plot holes and and that kind of thing but just sitting down there and just enjoying it with people was 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 a lot of fun um, i walked away from that movie going you know that movie was all right and then i started talking to isaac about it and as i was saying things to isaac i realized i think i hate that movie like <laughs> at the very core of it i hate that movie it is uh definitely not in the same league as uh 10 cloverfield lane which yeah. you should watch if you haven't. But it's a good movie. Um, the other thing that I watched, um, my sister is a huge Hallmark fan, and it's kind of, oh, uh, no. I have the same opinion of Hallmark that I do of like movies like Geostorm, and it's, I hate myself because it's actually like grown on me over time. I actually really enjoy the Hallmark like Christmas movies that she forces us to watch nonstop. And I don't know why, because I can I can I can predict everything that's going to happen from the get go. So wait, are you talking about like classic ones or new ones or a mix of both? All of them. All. Okay. She'll sit down and she'll fill the DVR with anything from Hallmark that's a Christmas movie. Okay. Well, not necessarily Hallmark, but have you seen White Christmas? Bing Crosby. I don't think I have. Oh, I take it see, that you want me to, though. I I love that movie. It's it's so good, and like I think it's also significant just based on the fact that like I'm pretty sure White Christmas, the song, is the best selling single of all time, of all music, just hands down. Like something crazy, like 50 million copies of that certain. That specific Jeez. single were sold. So, uh, but it, it's a fantastic film. Obviously, me being a vocalist and a huge fan of like crooners, Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra, I, I love that film. I think there was so, a recent study that I saw in an article, like on Facebook or something, um, about how like watching movies that are predictable or, or, or even movies that you've seen before, just knowing what's going to happen, there's some kind of like stress relieving involved in that yeah. and it increases the enjoyability of the movie because you you already know the destination you're just you're just on the journey to it yeah. right now so interesting thought for you My there sister, she loves hallmark and uh she found a hallmark television series when calls the heart and it, the first episode i see i think it was like a couple episodes in and it takes place in this 1900s uh mining town and they had just had a disaster go on this there was an explosion in the mine and all of the men of this town or most of the men of the town that worked in the mine were killed and the mine or the mine company that they own all these houses and all the women were about to get evicted because you know their husbands aren't working for the mine company anymore and so it's all the all the women of the town are coming together to clear out this mine they made an arrangement with the mean man that owns the company that if they can clear out the dis 
all the um, disaster, all the ex- you know rubble and whatnot, if they can fix the mine and get it back up in tip shop shape so they can continue mining, then they can keep their houses. And I didn't expect to get attached to this show. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think I would like it, but I... It was on my uh, on my TV, like basically all all day, and I think I got through probably the first season of it. And I I hate to say it, I might just keep watching it. <laughs> it is it it's a space heater for the heart. I gotta kind of tell on myself a couple in a couple ways here. So you know, um, in the first few months of the job that I currently work at, I had to watch a lot of daytime television. Um, and there's a lot of soap operas on day- daytime television for those of you who aren't aware. And I've always had a very low opinion of uh, soap operas until I found myself gripped by what was happening. <laughs> I said, no, this has to stop. <laughs> it sneaks up on you, man. It sneaks up on you. It, uh. Yeah, it was rough. And I, I've had another experience um with that i so i'm subscribed to crunchyroll you know and that's well, crunchyroll is mostly anime but mm-hmm. they have mm-hmm. japanese dramas on there and i was like hmm, oh boy i've never really mm-hmm. you know taken a look at this so i started watching a japanese drama ironically about um this older woman who ends up going back to high school and she's like the center of attention because she's this old lady um who's now a high school student and uh, she kind of, like, interacts with students almost like as a counselor, and you kind of get into their lives and the problems that they're dealing with. And by the end of the first episode, I was like, I kind of want to keep watching this. It always starts ironically. <laughs> yeah. If, I mean, even with things that you don't think you'll enjoy, you can, if you have the right mindset, you can enjoy anything. We've talked about this before, and I still firmly believe it. Enjoying something that you're watching is a mindset yeah it, it starts ironically but then like slowly over time you realize that you've watched the entirety of degrassi high with your friends <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's nothing to be ashamed of like if you're watching a oh. show and you're enjoying yourself that's the important thing like at, at some point you'd be like i'm watching it ironically or at some point the irony just becomes Logan will Actually be back. Liking it. Logan will be back. I was like, "What here. happened to all of our cameras?" And then I realized Logan died. Um, and then, and then Logan was back. Hello. For those of you listening to this podcast, we had some slight technical difficulties. It has been resolved. They're gonna happen. <laughs> They're gonna happen. I was like, for a second there, I was having a really tough time trying to make out with you guys. Make out with you guys. Uh, make out what you I guys were trying to say. Um, and so I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna struggle anymore. I'm just gonna hit refresh, and then hopefully, hopefully, I'll get back into the conversation. Has it cleared up? Has, has, are you here? Are you back? Yeah, no, you guys are much more in right. order instead right. of how oh, much of no, Degrassi High have went you from watched? one sentence to like five seconds in the future. How much Degrassi High have you watched? Degrassi High, none. Oh, man, man, I recommend watching one episode and then the rest of the series. <laughs> Good recommendation. Um. So have we talked about all the shows that we've watched this week? Movies? Can we move into anime now? 
Anime. Oh yeah, let's move into anime. anime. What anime have we been watching this week? So, um, I haven't watched a ton. I'm still working my way through Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Uh, Logan, I know mm. you finished it, so I kind of have to catch up to you, and then we'll definitely right. have a final discussion I mean, about this. That's, yeah. yeah, that's really the extent of my anime this week, is just, I watched FMA, and now i got to wait till Brandon finishes it so we can have like a good discussion about it. Boy, I had to watch a couple scary. episodes with through Brandon's eyes, so that was kind of fun for me. Yeah, it's always fun kind of like knowing pro zd has a video like a small like vine like video of this where he's he's showing his friend an anime he's seen before and he's like he keeps looking at him when something cool is about to happen he's like yeah you're enjoying this <laughs> so i relate to that experience uh actually i had that experience with you paul with the uh, nintendo direct over the weekend oh yeah because uh paul well i mean actually i had seen everything up until the very end and then oh I, I missed, boy i mean it's that last announcement yeah the first thing like we drove back to my house because he was headed from uh his home and i pulled into my garage and we both get out of our, out of our cars and he's like was there anything else after that splatoon 2 stuff and i said the most important <laughs> thing in the entire direct <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then we went downstairs um in my basement we queued it up on the tv and we watched the direct and paul and i freaked out over smash brothers being announced <laughs> Oh bless. my god, bless. Oh my bless. god, bless. So, any other anime? Because I know Nintendo Directs are great anime, but they don't come around very often. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about it in depth again, but I'm still watching Trigun, and I still recommend anyone who has not seen it to sit down and watch it. It's hard to get through those first few episodes, but once you get to about episode 13, if you aren't hooked, I'm sorry for you. I was about to say, I've tried watching Trigun, and it's really hard to get through those first episodes oh yeah for me is that i know it's around the corner which helps me get through it again is that because of the storytelling or dub or i think there there, there's something about anime from that time period where like the pacing is always just really odd yeah and i it's just it's very hard to get into at that point uh after being subjected to current anime yeah um, you, really have, you have to set a lot aside for it i've uh, recently struggled to find new anime or like currently airing anime to kind of be attached to uh the last time i really got something good was uh, shokugeki no soma and that comes back next month i'm so excited <laughs> oh man Joe, I, remember... I think you would find a reason to watch Shokugeki no Soma. It's just silly and ridiculous enough to, for you. I, I'm, I'm convinced. It's, it's probably, it's probably gonna. But what if I didn't? <laughs> you, You'd break our hearts. You probably wouldn't understand what's happening in the show. Chances are. <laughs> There's always that fear Unless of you're commitment. Like, I'm not gonna watch the show. I'm just gonna look up synopses online. There's always that fear of commitment when you watch a new anime. Um, you know, that's, that's going to be long form. And you're like, I'm just going to stop watching after the first season. I'm not coming back to this. And then you come back to it for 10 or maybe 15 years in the case of some (laughs) anime I've watched. (laughs) I I definitely do not have that sense of commitment with anime. (laughs) I can drop an anime in three episodes and be like, nah, no, the same for me. 
I think the most like recent anime that I I watched like literally as it was airing like they had the simulcast and like Crunchyroll and stuff like that was Kill a Kill. Um, and I think that's still besides maybe I, I might consider Dragon Ball Super to be in that category as well. Except obviously I'm watching the dubs. I'm not watching the original area. It, it's also kind of hard to con- to consider that one because that's you know a continuation of something that's existed for thirty years. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, there hasn't been anything new in recent memory. I couldn't, to be honest, and I'm, I'm sorry to attack on Titan fans. I couldn't get through season two. I I was done. I I've dropped. <laughs> Maybe one See, day. I knew I knew what happened in late game. Shoko, not Shokugeki. Uh, I knew what happened late game uh, Attack on Titan. So I just dropped that real quick because I had a friend who's like, wait, no, here's how every plot point past this point goes for the, the end of until the end of time. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. I don't want to watch that. Are there any like good anime that you watched recently, Joe? Uh, Pop Team Epic is a adaptation of a four coma series like me um, joe no one yes two no <laughs> <laughs> uh, pop team epic is like hey we're going to throw a hundred jokes at you and maybe 20 of those jokes will land <laughs> but we're throwing those jokes out at a speed at which no one can compare and then 10 minutes through the episode, the episode ends, and then it starts the episode over again, except the voice actors are different. <laughs> and it does that for every episode. I don't know why. Sometimes the jokes are different between the different voice actors, but it just does that. Like, it, it's not even like slight differences. They changed all the male staff to female staff and all the female staff to male. Wow. <laughs> I've been hearing a lot of buzz about this show, and you know, I didn't really know anything. Um, it's it's it is like in your face, just constantly going, and sometimes it's good. It sounds like a jap a very Japanese show in that sense. Boy, <laughs> boy, it is the most Japanese. I was I can't remember if, 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 if Funimation is doing a dub of that. I think. How do you do a dub of that? That's what I was going to say. I'm like legitimately asking at this point, how do you do a dub of that? Something like that is like very hard to adapt. Um, I know like the adaptation of Sergeant Frog like changed a lot of the cultural references and jokes to to sit well more with a Western audience. And uh, that kind of stuff is impressive. But to do it for like Pop Team Epic, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, like so much yeah, of that stuff is ingrained. With the language used, even because mm-hmm. like they they do puns like insane amounts, just because you know Japanese. It's like trying to translate Suda Five One live on stage into English and just it's, it's not act- happening. It's actually impossible. I feel so bad for that. <laughs> A year later, I we still remember you. <laughs> um, so does that do it for anime? Uh, yeah. Nichijou is still good anime. Everyone should watch Nichijou. I'm, I'm <laughs> disappointed in you. It, and then I never... It's not that I didn't want to finish. I was just like... I was in the middle of moving, and then I never... I had poor internet, and so I have nothing but excuses for why I didn't finish it. But I, I, 
I'm going to go back at some point. I'm going to finish it because it is a very delightful anime, and I see why you recommended it. Yeah, yeah I need to finish it too. There is not a single inappropriate joke in that show. Everything is incredibly wholesome and also over the top. Oh, yeah. I could use that in my life right about now, I think. That's kind of the hole that Shokugeki left for me. Um, probably not to like the same degree as Joe in terms of zaniness. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, I definitely see why you, why you love Nietzsche Joe. Um, so, video games. I did a couple of those this week, and they weren't mobile games this time, as it turns How out. How many of them did you did? So, I've been talking about this for weeks now, but I finally played Luigi's Balloon World. And, you know, I, I initially expected that to be kind of like a shoehorned DLC and just, you know, kind of this, like, tacked-on thing. No, there's a there's a lot of structure, like built into Luigi's Balloon World. Um, there's this online community for it. You know, you can hide your balloons, and people can find them, and then you get paid um, in coins when they search for them. And uh, I think you even get paid if you, they find them. So it's a it's a really cool system. And you know, people I found are very sneaky. There there are a <laughs> lot of balloons that I just, I can't find. And they're expensive, like, so the, the the higher ranked a person is and, you know, the better that their balloon is hidden, the higher the entry fee is to get in to actually search for the balloon, and then the higher the reward is on top of that for finding it. Um, and I think the ranks go up to, like, rank 100, so there's actually a sense of progression in the mode, too, which also impressed me. And, uh, you know, I just needed a good excuse to go back to Odyssey. I got all 999 moons and basically said, okay, I'm done with the game until... You know, maybe they release some DLC or something. No, Luigi's Balloon World has given me a great reason to go back into some of those worlds, especially like New Donk City, which I just love running around in. And uh, it's it's breathed whole new life into that game for me. And uh, so if you haven't tried Luigi's Balloon World yet and you have Mario Odyssey, definitely give it a go. I, I am very impressed with the work that went into that. Yeah, that's definitely I... made for like um, people who have played through Mario Odyssey already. Like it's really good for people who are like oh i know the ins and out of this level i can jump from well, here to here quite literally as well because i'm pretty sure it doesn't unlock until you beat the main story yeah that's i a, was unaware that's of that. a prerequisite yeah so you have to finish it and then i i also got the chance to play it i i, I haven't played it a lot because i had you know other priorities in terms of gaming and stuff like that but from the little that I did play, I was like, I've, I've hid some balloons, I found some balloons, and looked into like, oh, here's all your stats, and okay, this is what level you are. So yeah, there's that sense of progression that's there. It, it, honestly, it's not even that much, but it's it's it feels good. Mm -hmm. And so again, I have a reason to go back. Here's this game that's already fantastic, and here's here's a reason to play more of it. And it just it just spells like the future out of like what we're getting from this game. Like we're not we're not done getting content for Super Mario Odyssey, which is so exciting because it is easily one of my favorite games from last year. Uh, oh, only yeah. slightly beat out by Breath of the Wild. So same here. Uh, the, the only shame about that mode is is that people are 
glitching through the walls and putting balloons in impossible places and that's just a real bummer i was gonna bring that up because it's it's really bad right now um i want to say like three out of five so the 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 game gives you like sets of five balloons that you can choose from over like three pages so maybe got like 15 balloons you can pick from and it's generated you know every time you you play around and uh, i want to say like three maybe four of those balloons are glitched balloons that are impossible to get um, yeah, it's just it's really frustrating. It it damages the community. Um, I can see there being like a small community of people who do that, and it's fun for them, and that's great. But the overall community is actually being hurt by this. So uh, I, I hope Nintendo does something to kind of alleviate this problem. Um, I don't really know what kind of work would have to go into to to fix it. To be honest. Um, I, I just hope they do something about it because I, I really want to play more Luigi's Balloon World, but that was one of the things that was actually actively discouraging me um, from playing the mode. Yeah, there are definitely things that they can do to stop that. They can have like an area that they designate as out of bounds uh, and check to see if it's out of bounds before you can even place the balloon, which is honestly how I would do that from the outset, but... Um, it would require some work on their part. Like, if there is going to be a fix, I don't expect it soon. Okay, so I guess if it's something that's discouraging you a bit, maybe maybe wait for a fix and then come back to Balloon World. But definitely yeah, play may- Balloon maybe World. Maybe they'll start banning. Maybe they'll start, like, a report system. That might be a thing they can do. Because, like, a report system would just allow them to go, hey, this guy's been reported 30 times. Oh, all right. He's gone. I just hope that doesn't like reflect balloons that are just actually well hidden in the first place, because there's some yeah, there's that's, some really good ones. Like that's the danger, right? Because it's a mode where you're supposed to hide the balloons the best you can, and sometimes they're illegitimate, and sometimes they're just really hard to get to. Yeah. Um. So again, highly recommend that. It's a free update, so if you've got Odyssey, you you've got Luigi's Balloon World. Um, more free updates from Nintendo. It's been it's been really great the last couple of years in that regard. Um, you're getting free updates for games that you know I personally wouldn't expect, which leads me into the next game I played, um, being the demo for Kirby Star Allies. And Paul, I know you and I have differing opinions about this, so that we do. Get ready. I um, I'm a big Kirby fan. I the first Kirby game I ever played was Kirby's Dream Land 2 on the Game Boy. Um, and to be honest, and I guess this could be to the detriment of the series at the same time, it, it hasn't changed a whole lot since then. The formula is basically the same. You, you, it's a side-scroller. You play as Kirby. You can inhale enemies. Some of those enemies have powers that you can absorb, and then you can use those powers against enemies and bosses later on. And then there's just this linear progression of levels um, until you get to the end and eventually you win. Usually there's this collectible that you can find um in each world and if you find all the collectibles you get the true ending of the game and uh that theme really hasn't changed since then um but i went into kirby star allies kind of looking for that experience because i didn't play uh return to dreamland i didn't play um triple deluxe and i didn't play kirby planet robobot i'm I'm really sad i missed out on planet robobot because i heard great things about that game but regardless, you know, I was, I'm, I'm here for a, an HD Kirby experience that I've never had before. And to be honest, that's what I got. Uh, I kind of got what I was looking for. I played both the easy and the hard levels. Um, the first thing that really stood out to me is that those levels are fairly long. Like, you're looking at, like, maybe five or six minutes in each level, maybe even longer than that. 
Um, so the experience is probably going to be fairly meaty. Um, but the, the hook with Kirby Star Allies is the fact that you can use the ability you had in Kirby Superstar and you can turn the enemies into your friends, except instead of being limited to just one enemy as a friend, you can have up to three enemies as a friend and you can add their powers to kind of your set of abilities. Um, the cool thing about Star Allies is that you can take those abilities and you can combine them um, to do different things. And uh, that's something that you could do in Kirby Squeak Squad and in Kirby 64, but it seems to be at a higher level than both of those games. So this is actually an evolution, which is nice. Um, from Kirby Squeak Squad, I think you could just like add elements to the sword, and that was about it. But here you're getting some more interesting things, like uh, if you're Water Kirby, you can use this attack where water jets straight up out of your head. And then uh, if you've got the, the Snowman ally, or if you have a friend playing with you, um, who's got an ice ability, they can shoot ice through the snow and kind of create these icicle sparks. Um, or, like, not icicle sparks, but icicles. And, uh, you know, those elements actually kind of play into some of the level design. You might need a certain element to do certain things. But this allows you to uh, use different combinations of powers to kind of achieve the same thing. Um, I was watching a stream... I think it may have been Derek from Game Explain who was playing the first level, and there was these bombs that he set off and blew up, um, but there was this waterfall that was causing the fuse to go out before it could get to the bombs, and he solved that puzzle a different way than I did, and I was I was a little surprised. He froze the water, and I used an umbrella, and I stopped the water from hitting the ground. Um, I was pretty impressed. That's that what I did. That's what I did. I used the umbrella. Yeah. Use the umbrella. I, I was I was impressed that there was more than one solution to that puzzle, so I look forward to more of that um, going forward. But you know, just overall, it was a fun Kirby game. I played it with my wife, and we 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 just had a blast going through it. Um, and Paul, you were telling me yesterday that your experience was a little bit different than mine. Yeah, it's. I know this is going to be a solid game. It's going to be a lot of fun for a lot of people. I just I'm not one of them. I played through the demo and I just I didn't enjoy myself and I the longer I sat down to think about why that is it kind of struck me that I just got done playing a game like Celeste which is this really fast dangerous you know precision platformer and I it was a hard transition going from this really fast paced game to a very slow and safe Kirby game there was just it was too relaxing for me <laughs> <laughs> kirby kirby is the the kind of series and you're right about that that's not trying to challenge you too much um f for me kirby is more of an experience where i can kind of slow down my wife who's not nearly as you know good at platformers like celeste um she can play kirby and she can enjoy herself because the the game is not asking too much of her um so mm -hmm. in my case that's a good experience for me to play with her and uh, something that we can enjoy together. Um, I, I, that's something that I haven't gotten to experience yet, and I think it will probably it'll ultimately change my opinion of it is sitting down to play it with a friend. I'm hoping that that dynamic will ultimately change the experience for me, but by myself, it's not the type of game that I think I'd enjoy. Um, from a critical standpoint, I do think, at least in the case of the levels that were available in the demo, and I'm assuming that both of them are fairly early on, um, they might be crossing into too easy territory, and the area specifically that I was bothered in um, was the boss battles. Uh, those boss battles are 
are very very short when you have a team of four four players playing cpu or otherwise um now the boss battles are a lot more dynamic than previous kirby games like wispy woods jumped in the air and he grew in size and obviously there's buff ddd who is like swinging on poles and jumping all over the area it, it, they're more dynamic but they're i can't enjoy the dynamic part of those fights because they're so short <laughs> i think part of the problem is that the cpu like they're really good they know what they're doing the ai is is pretty smart um when you walk up to a puzzle that requires maybe a specific type of power, if you have an AI enemy or an ally who has that ability, you'll see an exclamation point appear above their heads, and they're like, oh, I got to do that. And they'll walk up, and they'll they'll do it for you. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just don't like the way that translates into the boss battles right now. And an easy way to alleviate that, quite honestly, is just to increase their health a substantial amount. I kind of wish that the bosses were scaled to how many allies you had with you at the time um they do have more health than typical kirby bosses i could i could see that when i was playing but it's not enough um to to make them last long enough and then again like i said these are two early levels and i only fought two bosses in easier stages so it's it's kind of too too early for me to say anything derek uh game explain mentioned or maybe it was uh nintendon one of them said that in three worlds they had faced seven bosses like big bosses wow i was uh, pretty impressed with that because uh, kirby's bosses have always been like a standout thing for me um so, so to see that there's a lot of them in there and that they're very different and varied um that's uh, that's pretty exciting for me did uh logan or you or josiah did you guys get a chance to try this out at all Yes. I, mean, I was yeah. going to download it, but I didn't. I'm a bad Kirby fan. <laughs> um, I I did get the chance because I was fascinated. Uh, Kirby's tends to be a little bit hit or miss. More often, it's it's miss. Not that I think they're necessarily bad games. It's just what's drawing me to this game as opposed to any other games. And so I feel like I, I had this feeling after I'd finished both levels of I think I like Kirby, um, but why do I like Kirby? I think my favorite Kirby experience so far is uh, a few weeks ago, I sat down with my uh, SNES Classic, and I played Kirby Superstar. And I just played through some of the beginning levels, and I was like, okay, I'm having fun. I'm enjoying, I want to play this game more. And then, obviously, I sat down with Star Allies, and I finished the easy one at some point, and then, like, the next day, I finished the, the hard one. And I think, the, I, I think I'm really enjoying Star Allies, partially because it, it harkens back to Kirby and the Crystal Shards, which is uh, Kirby 64. Yeah. And that's the game I remember as a kid playing it and being like, I'm having so much fun with Kirby, you know? So I I think in that sense, this game stands out because you're not just playing as Kirby. It's it's not. You're playing as Sword Kirby. You're playing as Carter Kirby. You're playing as Fire Kirby. Uh, all these different things. There's a million different ways that you're going through these levels. 
sometimes you'll be like, I like that power a lot more than this power, so I'm just gonna trade it out, you know? Yeah. Like, just because you feel like, oh, this is the fun way to interact with the game. And that's, I think that's specifically true for this game and Crystal Shards, uh, and even even something uh, with Superstar. It's just Kirby allows you to play in a in a myriad of different ways. It's also why he's such a fun character in Super Smash Bros. Super Smash Bros. Um, but <laughs> like, I think that's that's really the huge draw right there. Is that like you can be anything with Kirby, and you don't have to worry about it because you know you're not going to struggle through those games. Uh, I, I played through some of the, I think, like, the, one of the harder portions of Superstar, and I, I had to try at some of the later bosses, you know, several times that I didn't succeed. And I like having that little bit of struggle, but it was never so much where I was like, ah, I'm going to rage quit, I'm going to give up, you know? It's just, it's a relaxing, fun experience and you know chances are you're not going to get frustrated if anything you might get bored depending on what kind of gamer you are but I, if if you just like to relax then it's a ton of fun in my adulthood i've noticed that um in some games i'll just dial down the difficulty so that i can just get through it because you know i have i've had significantly less time to do these things as i've grown older and i've you know i've done more uh work with my job and you know i have things around the house i have to take care of and you know i have my, my wife i have to take care of um so my 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 time available to me to play games has significantly dropped and in some cases i just need something that's going to be easy so i can just have the enjoyment that i got to experience it in the first place um so right. kirby being a game i know that i'm not going to struggle too hard to get through is enticing to me because i'll get to play it i'll get to finish it and then i can say i played that game it's done and now i can move on to the next one uh i think let's see in the case of the first uncharted despite how i feel about that game i, I played it on easy just so i could get through it quickly because, um, you know, I had four Uncharted games I had to play. It turns out they're not very long in the first place. No, they're um, not. But if, if I hadn't put that game on easy, some of the gameplay decisions in the design um, were kind of counterintuitive. Um, it would have taken me a lot longer to get through it, and I don't know that I would have actually finished that series. In the case of Uncharted 1 specifically, like, I originally played it on PS3, and... You know, after a couple hours, I I was done. I was like, I can't get through this. There's, it's it's too frustrating. <laughs> Luckily, the remake really alleviated clunky. a lot of those things for me. Um, so I, I can I can certainly understand why people would want challenge. Um, Joe specifically, like uh, when we were playing through Horizon Zero Dawn, you were playing it on a higher difficulty than I was. Um, oh boy! And you know, you found enjoyment in doing it that way, while I found enjoyment in uh, you know playing it on normal and just kind of doing things. Um, at the pace that worked for me. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> also calling the design decisions in Uncharted 1 counterintuitive is putting it very nicely. That <laughs> uh, playing that game on easy is definitely the way to go. Yeah, I'm glad I did it that way. And I like going through the rest of the series, I never felt compelled to you know crank it up to hard i just kind of kept it on normal because you know there was a lot of games i had to get through and i have to you know i have to watch my time these days i can really only dedicate myself to maybe one or two like long 
long-form commitment games like uh, Monster Hunter World I've sunk over 150 hours into, um, which is nothing compared to what it was like back when I was in school. Uh, oh, boy. But in, in right now, the only other game that I've kind of got that commitment for is uh, Splatoon 2, and I'm nearly at 100 hours right now with that game. Um, so just like being able to see my clocks and how much time I put into these games has really put it in perspective for me for how much time I actually have to do these things. Uh, the, the same thing happens to me even when I'm like choosing a show to watch. That's why I watched Everything Sucks. I saw it was 10 episodes long. I got through the first episode and enjoyed it. I knocked it out in three and a half hours, and now it's not on my plate anymore. Um, it, it's, it's just gotten harder. <laughs> but oh, yeah. at the same time, it's, it's interesting because we talk about this, and I think, I think maybe five, six, even ten years ago, we, if we heard ourselves talking about, oh, we have less time to play games, we might take that as maybe a negative thing. Like, oh, no, I don't have as much free time. Well, we do other things with our time now. I mean, outside like of our job, like this. You know, we could spend an hour and a half to two hours playing whatever game it is or we could spend it talking about games and and there is worth and there's enjoyment in this and other things that we do that aren't video games so we've chosen to dedicate our lives to to something a little bit different even though we still get to play games you still get to do that stuff we played splatoon 2 for like an hour before we started the show right right (laughs) the funny thing about this is that like it's actually encouraged me to play more games sink more time in them and like try more games try and spread it out not just play just monster hunter for you know 300 hours but like my list is two four seven games long right for this week i've I've spent the time with seven different games and that's not something that would have happened before this show yeah no i definitely feel the same way like uh like last week i took time out and you know part of it was because of how much time i had but i took time out to play alto's odyssey which is a sequel to one of my favorite mobile games and uh Mm. part-time ufo which was a mobile game by hal laboratory and uh i'm starting to see the appeal for games like that oh i look forward to hearing what you have to say um but it's experiences like that that are becoming more valuable to me and especially with nintendo switch um that are encouraging me to play games more um when i have the time especially with switch because i can just pop it on i'm at a suspend point if i need to i can take it out of the dock i can go to bed with it um it's it's really really changed my life in a lot of ways actually um paul you said you had a list of seven games i'm gonna let you take the floor okay so i'm not gonna go into too much depth with a lot of these because they're things that we've talked about um I went through, um, I was playing through Bayonetta 2 still, still a great game. Um, I kind of got derailed, I was hoping to have that done this week, but I got derailed by Monster Hunter World. I had to jump on, get that Wiggler helmet, which looks so... I didn't do it! Oh no! Is it too late? Is it too late? They reset on Thursdays, I think. Oh boy! Who hasn't gotten their Wiggler helm? I did. They almost always come back around. Yeah, they'll come back around. You'll get you'll get your opportunity. It won't take you very long when it comes back around either. I I went through the quest twice and I was I was done. Yeah, and it takes like all of two minutes. Okay, but I got I got the helmet. 
I went and did the limited bounties really fast, and then uh, I jumped back into Bayonetta 2. Uh, I decided to take up some of your recommendations and try out Part-Time UFO. Great game. And it's a really great game. <laughs> I've been having a lot of fun. Like I've been playing it you know, at work to try and kind of occupy some time, and it's it's doing it. <laughs> really delightful title. If you haven't picked it up yet, it's three ninety nine, right? Yeah, it's dirt cheap. Yep. On Android and iOS. Yeah. So everybody can play it. Developed by HAL Laboratory. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, Joe, that's, that's definitely check it out. It I think up. you'd like it. Okay. I like how. There's a, there's a Box Boy uh, cameo in that game, too. Um, I took a couple of hours over the weekend, and I finally checked out Golf Story, which has been downloaded on my Switch for weeks. Oh, for real? need to finish it. Yeah. Me too. It, I, I typically don't like games like this, but it's very, very fun. Like the uh, the golf course that you start off on is just so lively. It's kind of hard not to get sucked into it. Also, I can't praise the golf mechanics enough. Oh yeah, like that game is just so clean in terms of how it plays. Oh yeah, the way they integrate like the actual golf gameplay just into everyday movement, super cool and love it. Yeah. And then besides that, I, I can't speak for all of us yet, but I think most of us probably picked up Rocket League for Switch. I was going they... to. I haven't yet. Okay. Yeah, I have to I have to wait until I get paid next. I actually just cool. don't like Rocket League. That's fair. Oh, wow. I picked it up just because uh, I needed to use all of my gold. You know what, Josiah? You're not getting on the podcast next week. <laughs> oh, man. And I was about to break the news that it's Mario Day. Oh, happy Mario Day. Mario happy runs Mario Day. Day. He's on Google Maps today. If if you're going somewhere, you'll have a little Mario Kart. You on used on it yesterday, Maps. too. I actually, uh, I, I used it when I was navigating yesterday. And he shouts, woohoo, when you finally make it. It's a lot <laughs> of fun. That's really good. I just really want to go somewhere today just so I can... Just so I can use it. Our, my, All right, back to Rocket League. You said you didn't. Do you want to mention why, real quick? I don't think it's fun. No. <laughs> I mean, to each his I don't own. I had fun with the game, so I I just was like, yeah, I'm good. People are allowed to like this game, though. Just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's bad. That's a mindset yep. I wish more people would take. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. What How else you got, Paul? You like game? The last thing on the list was I jumped into Splatoon 2 for that Splatfest. Oh, I think Splatfest. I did too. So, Logan, you're the one who decided what team we were on. <laughs> I like how this is always the case for Splatfest. Because, like, I'm always concerned about the actual question. You know, I'm always concerned about, okay. <laughs> and then you guys just don't care. You guys just want to play on the same team. That's all I so care obviously, about. Obviously, this time around, oh. it was chicken or the egg. And I was like, this isn't even a question. It's the egg. The egg is objectively the right answer. Fight us so in the comments. Team egg. Um, <laughs> if you're team chicken, I don't even know why you're even here. If you're team chicken, <laughs> you are is, a chicken. Egg is better. Oh, the egg. no. Wow. <laughs> wow, Joe. Well, thanks a lot, Logan. Um, are you team chicken? Here. Uh, I probably would have 
picked Chim 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 Team Chicken. How are you? How could you possibly do this to our guest, Logan? What have you done? <laughs> He's never gonna be on the show again. Yeah, that's it. Who says we want him back on? It's it's right after <laughs> Logan said you're never allowed on this show again. <laughs> I, I gotta give a shout out to Splatoon 2's Splatfests. Um, one, they're a lot more lively than they were on Wii U for obvious reasons. Boy, are they. Yeah. Um, but the shifty stations just keep impressing me. Um, the shifty station whoop, from this week actually introduced a new kind of mechanic to the stage, where there are three areas on the stage that will become unavailable at certain points during um, the timer. Um, so the, there's these two end compartments that cover quite a bit of ground that will be closed off. So you want to be kind of uh, in that area when those containers come down so that your ink is the final ink um, covering that area. And then there's a big one in the center that goes down right at the end. Um, I think that's, that's a, really cool. Yeah, it's a super cool mechanic. And, and, and it it uh, it makes the gameplay for those levels a little bit more emergent than... Um, just like the the regular ones it reminds me of a stage from splatoon 1 i forget the name of it but it had that that water mechanic where the 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 water would would sink at one point during the uh, match and would reveal new turf to be covered that wasn't available before so this, i forgot the name of that map too yeah but uh this shifty station is kind of like the opposite of that and uh, i think that's really cool yeah, it shows that the developers still have, like, a lot of fresh ideas. So it's always a question yeah. of, like, okay, well, what's Splatoon fresh. 3 going to look like down the line? And it's like, oh, how do they evolve gameplay? Well, you know, at least in part, like this. So I think having these shifty stations where they don't have to do it every time, they're like, we're going to throw it in here, see how well it works, see how much everybody likes it, and just try things out for when we do things later down the line i mean even even uh taking more aspects of the single player and putting them in there uh or, or the last uh shifty station had had cannons you know had mm -hmm. the ink cannons and and oh, that was like just that a really one. fun component i honestly i don't think it worked that well in that setting I, I don't know it just didn't feel right to me but that being said at least they had the chance to try it out and yeah. everybody's like oh cool this is this is awesome it's a reason to play during this platfest that you're not going to get this experience uh regularly in splatoon 2 it's just the kind of that oh now we can now we can try it out and see how we like it and uh and uh, maybe I think maybe this after our current shifty station is good maybe after our two years of splatfest they'll kind of introduce shifty station as a permanent offering maybe just kind of uh, randomly changes or maybe they just all become stages uh Right. I do like, like you said, the fact that these are kind of exclusive to Splatfests and give you more of an incentive to try them out. It's also kind of, it, it, it gives me a lot of respect for the developers that they keep trying new things and introducing these new maps, one every month, a brand new one every month. That's that's really cool, and uh, I, I want to see them even evolve that concept uh, further once we get to Splatoon 3. You might you might be able to tell, but we like Splatoon two a lot. It's so good. Guys, that, guys, that DLC is going to be so good. I've been listening to the music on repeat because really, really good music. I'm honestly more excited for that than Smash right now. 
That's saying a whole lot. Inklings in Smash, though. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Crazy sure, song. but did you oh. see the Octoling? You can play as it. Yes. <laughs> I, I love and the then there's like plot that includes the new characters. And yes. isn't the plot from the first game repeated again? This is the story mode that we probably were supposed to get, and then the, the game got rushed to market to meet the demands of the Switch. Yeah, I'm, Did you I'm, see that level? Did you see them rolling the ball and they're like targeted by a sniper and there's rockets going everywhere? Yeah. It's, it's going to be good. This is a definite I, I evolution. Have, I have 185 hours in Splatoon 2. Wow. <laughs> there is only a handful of games in, in my life that, you know, live up to that kind of hype where I, I play 185 hours and I'm like, I want to play more. Like, give give me more. So, I mean, with with the announcement of this this uh, expansion, I was so ecstatic, and I I think we mentioned this in our discussion about the direct the other day that if if the direct had ended before Smash and it just left us with the Octo expansion, I would have been very very happy as a splatoon 2 player yeah it kind of came out of left field even though i predicted dlc and i was kind of hoping for more of a premium offering at some point but i was just expecting like you know version 3 some new stages um here's what carries us through the first year of free dlc but no they're they're right out of the gate they're saying before we get to the end there's more premium offerings coming and uh it's going to be worth the money from what it sounds like 80 levels what any levels yeah there was 36 in splatoon 2 excuse me (laughs) (laughs) and 20 bucks i'll I'll happily pay 20 bucks for that um i will happily pay money for this expansion people i'll I'll gladly trade my identity to nintendo for these levels (laughs) given the inclusion of octolings um into the main game i hope they're one of the available costumes in smash brothers when that comes out don't leave me hanging i mean that would be pretty simple yeah, I would hope so. It it, it would feel kind of uh, empty if they didn't. I also, did you notice those? Those are the Splatoon the one. Splatoon one designs. Yeah, but I wonder, I wonder if they'll they'll keep that or not. I, I imagine they're they're gonna do the the costume thing. Yeah, yeah. Like you know the costume thing. You know that the Smash Brothers does. Yeah, where Bowser Junior has eight different. <laughs> eight different costumes available and they're all different characters and it's very good they all have their own voice lines yeah and i've been kind of wondering about that with the uh the the look at breath of the wild link how that's going to be framed but that's for a different discussion <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah it is that's, um, a, that's an entire podcast smash bros and i feel like that's going to be the case until like it comes out and then when it comes out it'll just keep on happening (laughs) we won't be done talking about smash bros for probably two years or so if that's how long the dlc goes again um logan did you talk about the games you've played this week um well i mean we definitely talked about kirby star allies uh that was nice and short i mean i got around to monster hunter again and um and obviously, you do some. I, I hunted with uh, Levi and Adam a few times, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, I, you know, I didn't play. Oh, 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 oh! I did. There was one more, one more <laughs> game, really, uh, that I did get a chance to play. The beginning section, I played like maybe through the first two or three chapters of, 
Mario plus Rabbit's Kingdom Battle. And Ooh, I know okay. that game came out a while ago, but I got it on sale for half off. And that was a good $30 to spend because so far I am enjoying the heck out of that game. I love, love turn-based strategy. Like, pretty much always have. I remember playing the first Western release of Fire Emblem on the Game Boy Advance and just loving that game to death. And so having this um, this Mario plus Rabbids turn-based strategy kind of thing, I just, that's, I eat it up. Like, give me, give me more of that. It's so good. It has so much charm. Uh, the, the situations that they're just thrust into and the reactions of the rabbits. Uh, it's just, I don't know how to, I don't know how to say it. I, I, I'll probably play more this week and just keep enjoying the heck out of it. David Soliani um, made a miracle yeah. happen, by the way. It's, it's, it's really special. And I hope that Nintendo keeps doing this like weird thing where they're like, Let's go to this company and make some more mashups and do something interesting. And I think this is a great like template for that kind of thing to happen. And, you know, they've been doing this for a while now with the uh, Fire mm-hmm. Emblem uh, Shin Megami Tensei game um, with uh, Pokémon, and even before both of those, there was Pokémon Conquest with a uh, you know combination of Pokémon and Nobunaga's Ambition. So they've been at this for a while, and I'm just glad to to see that they they keep doing it. And uh, speaking of Mario plus Rabbids, we are getting that story mode DLC that's coming, that's adding Donkey Kong, and I'd assume probably one other Rabbid character to go along with that. Um, Right. So it's like a lot of games with Nintendo right now, there's just a lot of post-launch support, and um, I'm I'm really enjoying that. And Mario and Rabbids is a great game. (laughs) It's so good. I think, yeah, I, I think that's about all I played. I think I might start making goals right so this is something i've gotten into practice is just making goals you know personal goals and uh work goals and stuff like that so maybe i'll start putting game goals in there it's like okay i can dedicate this much time to games for the next week and what do i want to accomplish i think one of the things i want to accomplish this week is i want to play a significant uh, amount more of bloodborne I have not spent a lot of time with that game, and that's a game that I know is going to have a lot of depth and it's going to give me a lot of challenge. And so I think I'm going to dedicate at least a, a significant portion of time, at least one of these days uh, this week, to Bloodborne. It's a good way to make sure you're actually playing games is to set goals like that. Um, Joe, what have you been playing? Oh, boy. I know it's coming. Did you hear about this game? It's called Final Fantasy XIV. I have heard. And man, does it keep going? It doesn't stop. <laughs> For some reason, I haven't. It hasn't ended yet. I don't understand. People are still talking to me in it, and it's weird. <laughs> so I mean, that game's had quite a history up till now. Oh boy, has it? That game was a wreck. That game was a wreck, and then they were like. Well, we could stop it, or we could overhaul it completely. (laughs) One of these is vastly more expensive and risky, and for some reason they decided to go at the risk, and boy, did it pay off significantly. (laughs) It's great to hear success stories like that. Um, You know, they release this game, people aren't really happy with it, and they sit down and they think to themselves, well, how how can we make this something we're proud of? 
and uh, they obviously they succeeded in that. Yeah, they had they had well intentioned bad ideas for that first version, and then they got good old Yoshi P on it, and he turned that ship around and got everyone working in unison, and it's it's something else. Course correction. Uh, but other than the MMO that I'm constantly playing forever now, I guess, um, <laughs> I played a little bit of Puyo Puyo Tetris on that there PC version. Uh, if you haven't played Puyo Puyo, it's a really good puzzle game and it's better than Tetris. Fight me. Ooh. Oh, I'm offended. I think you just triggered Tetris Logan. Tetris is like the, like, objectively, like... <laughs> I think you don't I'm know like, what stairs are. You don't know like, how to make stairs. You don't know what a, a one three stair combo is. Whatever, man. Whatever. <laughs> is like the best game ever, and I just don't. I I don't like your opinion. Hey, Logan. At least we could probably agree that the mode where it's Tetris and also Puyo at the exact same time sucks. It's just not good. Oh, actually, I haven't really played Puyo. The, the nice thing Puyo, about Puyo, Puyo Puyo Tetris is that you could play a version where, competitively, where Joe plays Puyo and you play Tetris, and you both get what you want. Man, Tetris oh. has such a leg up on Puyo, though. Like, oh, is it, it unbalanced? It, it's so imbalanced towards <laughs> Tetris. It's it's a little upsetting how easily Tetris can get away with things. I was wondering about that because that seems like a, an awfully compli- complicated thing to to balance for a game like that. I've been watching Tim play, and Tim is uh, rank 200 in the world or something. And wow. at higher ranks, just Puyo can't compete with Tetris. It's it's the unfortunate reality of how that works out. It's it's hard yeah, to balance I don't even that. Know, yeah, I don't even know how you would go about balancing it. You'd think there would have been <laughs> more know? forethought put into that. But then again, like I said, it just, yeah, it just seems like it's too hard. hard. That that seems I don't I don't think they could because they're such different games. Like Tetris is a frantic game of place things now, get lines, get lines, get lines, get lines. Where Puyo is like, hey, I'm just gonna go over here and place that there and set up this trigger right here and remember that for later and then come back to this and oh, I guess I got to put that over there and then you set that off. It's like a it's like a long game versus the quickest game you could have. I don't have the capacity to to set up stuff like that. I've never been oh, good Puyo at Tetris is, and Puyo stuff. is something else. Yeah, I, I can imagine Puyo Puyo being much more of a strategic puzzle game, whereas Tetris is like, hey, fit everything into a nice box and just leave that slit open for that line piece, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Puyo, it's easy to bounce off of Puyo. It's easy to, like, try Puyo for, like, ten minutes and go, I don't know about that. I don't mm. There's some weird stuff in there. there there's a but, demo available that's just, like, basically just the game. Basically just the game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and just without online. Uh, yeah, you could, you could just try out Puyo and go, I don't understand what what am i doing how do i make a chain bigger than two <laughs> we, we call anyone who can't make a chain bigger than two a johnny two chain oh that's me so that's, that's that's how it is uh anyway <laughs> during my breaks i've been playing a game it is called into the breach okay i haven't it heard is of by this. the 
Faster Than Light developers. Gotcha. Uh, Faster Than Light being an early Kickstarter success. Into the Breach is a strategy game that takes place over five turns. And you play as a unit of three mechs. It's always three, no more, no less. And you have to fight off an invasion of insects, basically. And what happens is it's on a tiny five by, uh, sorry, 10 by 10 grid. It's tiny. Like the levels are just that big. It's Mm -hmm. always 10 by 10. And your goal is to not let any of the civilians get killed while also not dying in the process. And it's very difficult. So it starts off with the enemies showing you exactly what moves they are going to do that turn. Oh. You know 100% with certainty. There is no ambiguity. There is no randomness. Oh, that's cool. What they are going to do. And your job is just to stare at the screen until you've come up with the solution and execute on the solution. So sometimes you'll just want to push an enemy out of the way so that they don't hit a building. Or you might want to stand in front of their shot and take the shot instead of just outright killing them if they don't have if they have too much health. Sometimes you can even like flip them around so that they attack the other enemies. It's like a game of chess but with mechs and like giant insects. It's very cool. <laughs> that sounds really awesome. I've never It's a roguelike. It's very difficult, but you can play one map in like 10 minutes and just have fun with it. This is on PC. So, it is on PC, yes. Uh it so, probably is going to be on tablets soon because it looks like it could fit on tablets real well. What does it cost? I'm a huge uh, Yeah, how much uh, I think it is fifteen dollars right now. Okay. Yes, it's fifteen dollars. Okay, that's uh, not bad. It it's a roguelike, so you'll be starting over a lot. Uh, there are four different islands that you can liberate before you move on to the final mission. Uh, you only have to do two of them, then you can move on. It gets harder the more you liberate. So uh, there's a lot of replay value in there, and you can get different mechs. Like there's a there's a team that's based on killing the enemies, but then there's a team that's based on not actually doing any damage whatsoever and just moving the enemies around to hit themselves instead. It's it's a weird strategy game that I've not seen anything like before. Wow. Okay. That Into the breach. Exactly like what I would expect from the developers of FTL. I'm I'm a big fan of FTL. Yeah. Um, I've never actually beaten uh, the final boss for FTL. There's like so much yeah. to unlock in that game. It, like, it's, it's ridiculously so hard to beat that final boss. I've only done it one time, and I've played a lot of FTL. Yeah, I've gotten like super close to like the very very last phase, but it just destroys me every time. It's very weird because they went from FTL, which is like the game based on randomness and you never know what's going to happen, to a game that is 100% deterministic. They definitely broaden their horizons. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, that's Into the Breach, available on PC for $15. I'm going to have to look into that. Oh, that's good. It's real good. Um, Is that it for video games we played this week? Yeah, I think that's it. Okay, um, I'll give a quick update. 
I did this in the discussion for uh, a couple days ago, but my game table is done. I forgot to put a picture mm -hmm. in here, so I can't show you quite yet, but I will be making a video documenting the development of this table from start to finish, and then uh, there will also be some demoing of games being played on it, so look forward to that. The, there's one game down there that's still on the table that I really want to get back to, but I'm going to have to put it away before away. my next session. Oh, man, it's going to take you like 40 minutes to put that away. I know. <laughs> We're having a... Do you even know how? I Maybe. I hope. I'll figure it out. <laughs> I'll help you out. Thanks. Um, oh, thanks, Paul. Paul's oh, on Oh, yeah, it. there yeah. it is. I remembered. <laughs> hey, it's right behind me. That's the Paul game table. with the assist. That's the game table. and You can see the the, the cup holder in action with my oh, Diet man, Coke in there. Oh, man, that game takes up just the amount of space that you have. Never more, never less. <laughs> yeah, the Gloomhaven fit really well with the um, the real estate we had on that play surface. Um, if we took the world map off of there, which isn't entirely necessary. Um, we don't use that. Yeah, you, you'd have plenty of space. Um, do we have time Gloomhaven. to talk about Gloomhaven? <laughs> we, we don't have time to talk about Gloomhaven, I don't think. Okay. But we, we can, can say our quick bit, Gloomhaven, holy crap. That, I can't stop thinking about Gloomhaven. That game is going to last me a very, very, very long time. That game has like a thousand hours of content for a board game. I don't know. Oh, wow. I'll be doing a full review. Well, I guess it won't be full. I'll be doing a review of Gloomhaven here in a few weeks once I've had a little bit more time with it. Um, so you'll... You can look forward to hearing a bit more about that, and I'll probably bring it up next week um, after I've had yeah, my, my next session. My favorite part of every Gloomhaven review is like, hey, I played Gloomhaven, like 40 hours of Gloomhaven. I'm going to review it now, but I haven't unlocked a single other character. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling that's basically how it'll go for me. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that does it for this week's show. Josiah, thank you so much for coming on the show this week. Thank you for having me. Once again, could you uh, tell us where people can find you and uh, information on Volpine? You can check out information on Volpine at volpinegame.com. Also, you can keep up with development at Clockwork Giant on Twitter. Awesome. If you can, if you want to talk to us, you can find me on Twitter at BabaBabs. You can find Logan at LoggyDubs, and you can find Paul at Gunnysaurus. If you want to talk to us as a collective, you can look up at Breakroom Arcade on Twitter and uh, interact with us there as well. If you go to our website, break, uh, BreakroomArcade.com, at the bottom of that page is a link to our Discord server. Go ahead and join our Discord server. Um, we'll be there as much as we can. Um, you can basically just sit there and talk to us, and we can we can chat about stuff, chat about what you're doing. You can ask us questions, and maybe we'll bring them up on uh, next week's show. Um, so if you want to interact interact with us, that's probably the best way to do it. Um, please, if you could, we'd really appreciate it. Rate us on all the iTunes apps. Uh, or iTunes apps on the podcast apps. It's uh, it's a really helpful for us to get our show to grow. If you're watching this on Twitch, please leave us a follow. Um, are you on Google Play? We are on Google Play. Yes. Okay, I'm yes, going right now. Thank you. Um, if you're following us, if you're on YouTube, please uh, leave a like. Please comment and subscribe. Definitely helps us grow. Facebook, we're on Facebook too. Um, there's all kinds of places you can find Brew from Arcade. Um, we appreciate We're you guys. Everywhere. We're pretty much everywhere, especially Tinder. Um, Wherever. <laughs> we, uh, I want to thank you guys again <laughs> for watching. 
I bet that's a great note to leave on. Um, join us again next week. Uh, we haven't laid down our topic yet, but as soon as we, we have it in there, um, you'll find it on our various social media channels. So I want to thank you guys again for watching. Thanks the panel of guests. I mean, Joe, and then obviously Paul and Logan. <laughs> But yeah, the multiple guest. Yes, the the several <laughs> guest. So do your best out there. Don't break your backs. Break in the games. But for now, break time is over. <laughs> <laughs>